0: Hello and welcome to Sad Girls Against the Patriarchy. I'm Allison. And I'm Alexis. And we're your sad girls. Sleepy sad girls. I was like, Allison's <laughs> a
1: little sleepy today.
0: Sleepy. It's okay.
1: I'm not sleepy because what I did today that yeah. I'm very excited to share with everyone. Oh, Good. I had the Panera Lemonade That Kills Everyone. Ooh, yeah. I had... Beam fodder. It's like <laughs> 32 ounces. I love that. <laughs> and um, I will say my caffeine tolerance is through the roof because wow. afterwards I was like, I could still take a nap right now. Yeah. I, I get that. But you lived to tell the tale. I did. I well, that's just... impressive. Like, we knew it's going to get pooled soon. And it's just like, I have right. to be part of history. Yeah. It's like, I have to have the forbidden lemonade before they <laughs> remove it from the shelves. So my husband, like, went out today and was like, oh, I'm going to Panera. I got to get it. And he, like, drove. We didn't oh. even Uber Eats it. He's like, I'm, I'm going to find a Panera and I'm no. going to go get it. And then I had some soup and a baguette, too. So it was a great day today. <laughs> I don't
0: think I've been to Panera in, like, 10 years. I mean. What are they up to? Th- selling lemonade that kills people. Is there any such thing as bad publicity, though? well speaking of bad publicity uh apparently our our poly episode was not well received
1: i mean we knew that was
0: gonna happen yeah um my friend s messaged me out of oh i knew they would to say the poly community did not like your episode and i immediately jumped on the just the mild defensive i was like you know what? I stand by it. We didn't say anything inflammatory. It wasn't nasty. We cited studies. We looked at the animal kingdom and we talked about our own personal experience and we put all of that out there. And I wrote this multi-paragraph thing. And then S was like, to be honest, I haven't listened to it yet. (laughs) I was like, okay. 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 (laughs) But uh, they said it was like mentioned in a Facebook group they were in. No way. I know. I was like, "Really?" Oh my God! Are we that popular?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm fine if I have uh, poly enemies. I'm I'm sorry. It's not that wasn't my intention. Right, but it's fine. I mean, we we expected that to happen, and I don't think we said anything. where We were like, poly people suck. I hate them, and I don't. I mean, we have friends that are poly. It's it was just the the point of the episode was to be like negating the fact that people think, especially men, like think that they are. These, like, sexual prowess beings that need to have multiple partners. I mean, that was the basis of the episode. And we talked a lot more about monkeys than we did poly people.
0: Very true. I think it would be good, though, if you wanted to put your sources into, like, a Google Doc or something. Oh, I mean, I I have them ready
1: to go. I have all my DOIs just, like, ready to go.
0: And they're all from, I mean, they were all from PubMed. Yeah, yeah. It would be good to have that just as a shareable link. So for anyone who's like, this isn't science, be like, well, I mean, it, it I mean, about kind of surveys kind of is <laughs> like for the poly, like the
1: specifically yeah. poly stuff was like surveys yeah. that were conducted and surveys are only so much self-reporting. And like I even said, like one of them's from a fucking the Reddit subreddit on polyamory. So that's, I mean, surveys are surveys. Self-reporting is self-reporting. True. The rest of it was literally about fucking monkeys. you guys, <laughs>
0: It's nuance. Like we made the clarification that we're saying that relationships that don't start out as poly and then open up are more likely to be unhealthy. But relationships that start out as poly, where both people are, are healthier. That yeah. was
1: and we both gave examples of that happening and us yeah. seeing that in real life. But again, it's people. I am. I'm getting my mouth shut. Careful, right? Um, we don't need more <laughs>
0: more enemies here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think maybe just the fact that it wasn't completely positive the whole way through, it just felt maybe like they felt like they were on the defensive as well, which I totally get. Like if you're going into things wanting to be
0: praised or like you're on edge
1: and like you're expecting X, Y, or Z, you're going to have a particular reaction. And, you know, I apologize if I upset anybody. But again, most of what we were trying to refute was the male idea that they're out to spread their seed and were to nest.
0: Yeah. Remember that at our heart of hearts, we're misandrists here. We are here to shit on men. Or at least I am. I shouldn't speak for Alexis. But we are here to criticize men. So if you are a poly lady, you're not you're not the target of anything. I'm saying absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely not. I have a very strong, illogical pro female bias. So totally illogical. (laughs) Where did this come from? semi logical, not always logical, but a bias, even a positive bias is a bias. True. I've learned, yeah. Yes. Like how I think like gay people are better. You know, that's yeah. also a little yeah. unhealthy because it's still well, a but They say
1: like even posit- like, positive stereotypes right. are still harmful. Same thing. You yeah. know, Yeah. Exactly. even though it's like, I'm saying a good thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, but you're assuming all of us are this good thing.
0: And obviously not all poly people are men. And we see these harmful generalizations more in the direction of men spreading their seed. Like that is the common trope. Yes. So...
1: And yeah, I have all my all my sources on yeah. on on backup like I said. I think the least the there was like two that weren't from PubMed. One of them the like least reliable one was a CNN article, but that still talked to some scientists that talked about other studies in the said CNN article. So, they're already yeah. ready to go in my Word <laughs> get that, doc. Yeah,
0: get that ready. It's fun to I like to think about arguments in advance and Kind of play devil's advocate with myself, where it's like, what are people going to say against whatever I'm saying? But if you're only citing studies or stating your personal opinion or your personal experience, there isn't room, I feel like, for argument there because it's kind of like either I'm backing it up or I'm just talking about my own thoughts. Like, what, what, what's, what's the problem here? So that's how I feel about that. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. But I honestly flattered that we ended up in a Facebook group somewhere. Yeah. And my friend S, who commented on this, totally poly, very adamantly, vehemently poly, and in a healthy relationship. And totally someone I look to for advice who is more mature and sensible than I am. It's a low bar. <laughs> I mean, they're great. We love. Okay. Well, today we're going to talk about pleasure, sexy times. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the the
1: pleasure gap today, and um, we were uh, this was on our list of things to do. But the reason we decided to do this was after our last recording session, we met up with my husband, and he was like, "Well, what are you guys gonna do for next episode?" We're like, "Oh, we haven't like, you know." Set- I wanted to include him, so yeah. I showed
0: him our list of ideas. Yeah, We felt included. Yeah, and he was like, "What's the
1: pleasure gap?" And then we <laughs> cracked up, <laughs> and we're like, "Oh." He's like, <laughs> And he's like, well, I think you should do that one because I don't know what it is. Classic man. <laughs> yeah, uh, not to get TMI, but it, he doesn't need to. He's he's good after reading and after reading, listened to a lot of podcasts. I'm like, I am so thankful.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right yeah. Now, right. Whew, <laughs> it sounds like it's pretty bad out there. Oof. I didn't do this research so Alexis can answer my questions, but it seemed like also this was more prevalent in newer relationships or like with one night stands or casual sex, like as people get more acquainted with each other.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's,
0: well, we'll talk about what the pleasure gap is um, for people that don't know, like my husband (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, my God. If we put the orgasm gap, he probably would have intuited Yes, what I think meant. for sure, yeah. yeah. If you ta- it, and that's also what it's called. It's called the pleasure gap or the orgasm
1: gap. And that's essentially the notion that heterosexual women have much lower orgasms during heterosexual sex than heterosexual men. But even when you include... Queer people, heterosexual women are still having the least amount of orgasms. That's just way down there. And heterosexual men are still also at the very tippy top. So. That's the gap, and some of the stats are going to be a little bit all over the place. I saw as little as, like, 37% of women have had orgasms with their partners, and as high as, like, it's, like, 95% of men, but I've also seen as high as, like, 67% of heterosexual women, and then, like, as low as, like, 91% of heterosexual men. But let's say roughly 50% and 90% for the most part. So let's say a 40% That's
0: sig- That's
1: very significant. Yeah. So... Diving into this, there's a couple different studies, and Alice and I were talking about doing this episode, and a lot of it is a little bit redundant, where it's like we get it, like heterosexual yeah. women are suffering out there, right? What else is there to say, right? But I'm going to go uh, just through a couple different studies. They're again, they're all from PubMed, okay? Um, so fake news, definitely fake news. This first one that I'll talk about, um, it was from the Global Advisory Board for Sexual Health and Well-Being, and they are funded by Durex, which is a condom company. No. But it's a review of literature study that was published in 2021, and this one in particular was about sexual pleasure and first-time experiences. Regular warning, a lot of this will have very gendered language, but a lot of these studies are based on cis-heterosexual relationships, there is one study I have that includes queer relationships, but as far as I know, everyone in these studies are also cisgender as well, so I don't think we've done or I didn't see any studies that um, studied trans people or people in relationships with trans people um,
0: so i don't I'm sure that data will come out as well as we're actually giving credence to this issue yeah, in like ten or twenty years when they finally get around to right studying it yeah yeah, so overwhelmingly, these studies are on heterosexual cisgendered people
1: but the Global Advisory Board for Sexual Health and Wellbeing, funded by Durex.
0: Uh-huh. the review of
1: literature. They also talked about how it's very heteronormative, and they didn't want to include the terms like virginity loss in this study. But when they didn't add the words virginity loss in the review of literature, they lost out on a lot of studies because we use these type of languages when we talk about heterosexual sex, and virginity is almost exclusively linked to like penetr. God damn I'm hey, There's that, on the way here. There's that word again. Penetrative sex between.
0: Cis man and woman, so they added that in there because that's mostly what they are studying. I'm just imagining you in the car now, and being like penetrative, penetrative. Well,
1: I think it's because it's like penetrating it. and then like penetrative. I don't know yeah. why it's like they don't sound the same. To no, me. it's
0: a weird word. It, it's, it is a very. But I was yeah, just
1: being it is like very. penetrative. <laughs> it's
0: just like, Alexis, <laughs> <laughs> you
1: are an adult. <laughs> it's a dirty word. It, yes. Uh, <laughs> And a lot of the studies I saw, too, are on, like, college-age kids. So this is where you're also going to see a big gap because these are younger people. Right. And there's a lot of, like, hookup culture and things like that in college-age kids where it's like, you know, you might just be hooking up more, you know, exploring your sexuality. So across multiple studies, basically every time, and again, some of these stats might range a little bit, but when referring to, like, first-time sexual experiences boys overwhelmingly have more positive associations with their first time than girls do.
0: That's so sad.
1: Yes. But there is a positive link in all sexual relationships where um, – where was I going on my train of thought of this?
0: See, all this caffeine's making my brain mush. Too much, too <laughs> much Panera lemonade. The Panera lemonade making much, me mush. Do you know how many milligrams of caffeine are in the – I don't know how big the cup is. It, it, it's like a – it's a big, it's a it's big, a big it's, it's like a like 32, 32 ounces, ounces. Okay. it's a 32 ounce cup. Cause like a cup of coffee is 80 milligrams Yes, and an energy drink, like a monster energy, will be like 220 or so. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> this explains so much. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm wondering, okay, a 30 ounce charged lemonade. <laughs> charged. It's 237 milligrams of caffeine, although Panera previously listed the same drink as having 390 milligrams of caffeine. So, like, a double energy drink. But it seems like it's gone down, which, you know, would make sense given the whole... People dying thing. Yeah, yeah. But I think someone said the guy that died had, like, four
1: of them in a row. (laughs) (laughs) And he was, like... In his forties, not that that's old, but I think he had like some also like minor heart condition. So I mean, this is just four loco all over again, which is fine. <laughs> oh I had God. to taste the forbidden fruit.
0: I guess monsters. This is saying it has 160 milligrams of caffeine. I know that like if you have like the full fat,
1: non sugar free monsters, I think they're about 220 calories for sure.
0: Maybe I'm just distracted by the calorie content.
1: Yeah, I always get the sugar free. <laughs>
0: <It's> like zero <laughs> calories,
1: or the big ones have like ten. So there is a correlation that shows that women's emotional discomfort during their first time having sex is also correlated with less sexual positivity in their adult life as well. So if your first time's bad, it's going to be like an indicator that the rest of your sexual life will be probably not as good as your alternates that had a more positive sexual experience for their first time.
0: I wonder if that's because people who had a first encounter that was positive just generally had better sex education or like... Just a healthier upbringing in some way? Yes, actually, Allison. Hold on. Let me find that one. Because it doesn't seem like you would have a bad first time and then it's like now sex just sucks in general. But I mean, myself, I was very religious upbringing. I didn't have any kind of knowledge, education, other than what I found myself on the Internet, which is not always the best place to go.
1: I mean, it's better than some of... uh Absence-only sexual education that I grew up with, which was – that's what comes up in a lot of this too is that Mm. obviously at the end of the day, the bottom line of this is societal conditioning towards women and how we view ourselves and our bodies and the shame around – Sex and mm-hmm. how we are taught that sex is something that is done to us and not something that we do with someone or for ourselves. We're taught it's something we have to, like, deal with, and it's something that's for the enjoyment of boys and men. Right. And a lot of that comes into, like, self-shame and us getting distracted by all of these things while we're in these intimate relationships, and we're having these intimate acts and that's a lot of it, too, is, like, if we are distracted and we are very often distracted during sex, a lot of these studies show, then we're unable to come to orgasm either. If you're thinking about, like, oh, my God, am I going to get pregnant? Oh, my God, does he think I'm a slut? Oh, my God, is my asshole bleached enough? Like, all of these things, <laughs> then you're not going to be thinking about, like, I need to be within my body, mm-hmm. thinking about my body and able to to come at the end of this. And if you're just thinking about all the stuff, which – we're conditioned to do at all times anyways, it's just not It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah, not as present in the moment.
1: No. But what you were talking about with parents was there is positive correlation with people who have open, sex-positive conversations with parental figures before a first sexual experience, um, empowering them to be less likely into gendered roles during encounter and increasing their own agency during the experience. Slay. that was from um, uh, the same... Uh, that's actually from the same. Yeah, the same study. This is a very... In, uh, Good study, really? yeah. yeah. They went to study first time experiences, but that is like we said when the when the gap is is the biggest. Mm-hmm. But yes, that's what a lot of this is saying too is that the sex education that is being provided for us is not giving us like the language or the tools to empower us to have these conversations because it is kind of awkward when you think about it. Like we've talked about all the time, just like sitting down and having a conversation and being like, "Hey, I really like it when you do this." And they'd be like, "Well, and I like it when you do that. And I listened to a couple of podcasts by a couple of different sex therapists and all of them say like, and you can't have these conversations when you're already naked in bed because then you're already vulnerable and you're sitting there like butt ass Mm -hmm. naked being like, "Uh, it'd be really cool if you went down on me right now. (laughs) Like you're already in a like weird vulnerable position. So you need to have like an adult conversation, like not already in the throes of passion to talk about like. Sort of like not necessarily like expectations, but just like wants and needs and trying and different things, so that you can when the time comes, you don't have to be like, uh, right? Uh, do you, uh, do you like, do you like this? I don't because <laughs> that's also gonna, you know, be weird in the moment. If you're like, no, stop, that sucks. You're terrible. <laughs> like that's, that's not gonna be a conducive
0: conversation in the moment. So the recommendation is to have it um, at another. Or is there like a happy middle ground where it's like? you're still uh, uninhibited. I'm guessing they weren't like, drink a bunch of wine and snuggle with your partner and then have this conversation. It just does seem like it's an uncomfortable thing to just bring up yeah, um, this, out of the blue. This
1: one sex therapist was just talking about, like, her example was like, okay, you're watching Euphoria together. And I'm like, first of all, bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> children. <laughs> And if you see a scene where like you know a guy's going down on his girl, and you'd be like, "Wow, that's so great, okay. I really like you just yeah when you're when you when you know how you do when you watch euphoria with your partner and you're just like, Oh, that oral sex those seventeen year olds are having let me right. that reminds me high
0: schoolers, yeah, cool,
1: um, but I guess something like that where it's just like if someone maybe makes a joke or if you're doing okay. something that might like lead the conversation into it versus. You find an opening,
0: yeah, see."
1: They were talking about how that's like super uncomfortable and I... Again, TMI, personal, but my husband and I've had this conversation. But like, I remember the first time we had a conversation, like he brought it up and was like, "Hey, I just wanted to talk about, like, you Aww. know, like things." You and I was just like literally like Aww. frozen and was just like, "That's so oh, mature, though." Oh, um, oh, <laughs> go, oh my god. <laughs> but I was just like looking away from him, right? Like, right. Um, I really <laughs> want to try this, and I like it when Aww. you do. And I couldn't like, kind of <laughs> look at him because it was so it was so foreign to me, like yeah. a man being like, "I'm gonna bring this up and ask you, like, True. what do you like? What do you?" like that I'm doing what do you not like that I'm doing and what's something that we could try sometime and then me being like and what do you like that I do and what could I do, do? like I felt like yeah. such a fucking robot like the first time it happened but it's because it's
0: well I was gonna say that men are less ashamed of sex and of their bodies yes. in the way that we are yes taught but, to be yeah
1: and we're and that's the thing too it's like we are absolutely taught that if we enjoy sex or we like having sex then we're we're sluts are <laughs> it's a funnier word. We should, let's bring back harlot. Guys. Bring back harlots, guys. <laughs> ah, here's, here's a good one. When men reported less positive experience for the first time, it usually was when they were in a less dominant role, i.e. their sexual partner had more experience than them. Mm. So it has to, a lot to do with gender norms. Yeah. And they did um, – a lot of the studies were obviously mostly in America, but there were some in South America and Europe as well. But there was a really good study that compared Swedish and American men and I will just read this snippet to you because you'll find it hilarious because we always compare to the Nordic countries. For example, a comparative qualitative survey of undergraduate U.S. and Swedish students found that U.S. men reported significantly less guilt than Swedish men if they were not in a relationship with the partner whom they first had sex. The authors suggested that in Sweden, where egalitarian gender politics are more frequently implemented than the U.S., these ideologies may play a role in this finding. Further findings across studies also suggest that adolescent boys seek intimacy, closeness, and fidelity in the first time they have sex. Yet, these desires are underplayed when their encounters are mediated by heteronormative, misogynistic gender dynamics.
0: None of those words are in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Sweden is better. I feel like we just suck.
1: Yeah, and a lot of these studies, too, kind of just show that gender norms play a big part in this phenomenon as well. Because what we're seeing too is that people have better sex when they are more intimate with someone and they've known them longer and they've been in a longer relationship. And this is for men and women. Like men also have better experiences when they have like a good connection with their partner and they also enjoy things like postcoital cuddling and kissing and like all of these things are shown in these surveys. And I can't help but think it's like this isn't in our culture that we see that. But when we have these surveys where it's probably a little bit more anonymous, they're more apt to, like, divulge this information. At the end of the day, we all kind of want the same thing. It's just men are taught that, you know, you, like, conquest and your pleasure is the only thing that's important and her getting off is not the important thing. It's, like, how much you can – like, how many girls you can have sex with and, you know, you being, like, a big dominant man. And it's the same thing that we always talk about. It's just these – Toxic masculinity Uh bullshit, but it is. It's just this machismo idea that having this, like, kind of whatever bullshit hookup culture sex is the pinnacle of
0: manlyhood. And you said that they have better sex or they had a better experience when it was with someone who had more sexual experience than them. So, like, they got to not be so in charge. No, so they said uh, men have...
1: Men don't like it when their first time is with someone that is more sexually experienced than them.
0: Uh, That's dumb. (laughs) Yes, but again, that's that's gender norms. (laughs) I was saying the opposite makes sense in my like logic brain because it's like cool, you like don't have to think as much or something. No, but because of the conditioning, yeah, where it's like you you need to be like if I'm a virgin, I want
1: to deflower a virgin, and virginity is so prized, and it's the same thing, even though. Like you said, I would think it'd be like, oh that's, my god, someone knows what they're doing yeah. here because I sure shit
0: don't. Like, <laughs> yeah, you. I'm sure you said that, and I literally heard the opposite because I'm like, that would make sense. That, that just has to be strictly conditioned because there's no way yeah. there's like a biological inherent drive to deflower a virgin. Like that's no. fucking stupid, and it doesn't make any sense.
1: No, and like I said, I mean, all of this comes to show at the end of the day, all of it is literally just societal conditioning. Where same thing with women, it's like we're conditioned to have to like perform sex. Right. For a man and not really focusing on what our needs are because we're just like, oh, this is a thing I have to do. And it's like quite literally a a performance for a lot of people like the notion of faking orgasms, which they do talk about as well. And um, again, they surveyed a bunch of heterosexual women and they asked why they fake orgasms. And the number one reason, and my husband was surprised by this, was to stroke their male partner's ego. And to make their partner feel better and to not hurt their feelings.
0: Yeah, not hurt the feelings. I get that. Yeah, I, yeah, I would kind of think to end the experience. So that's what <laughs> my husband thought as well.
1: That was the number two reason is just okay. to, quote, unquote, right. get it over with. But the, this over with. In multiple studies, it showed that the number one reason for faking orgasms is to make their partner feel better,
0: essentially. It's kind of sweet, I guess. But that's um, because we're taught yeah. to be selfless. I also was listening to podcasts with... It it is a lot of sex therapists and it's harder to find like the research on it because it's a lot of like Dr. Love. Right. (laughs) Um, But what I heard one woman say is that it's not a bad thing to do every once in a while if it's just like, okay, it's not your night and like it's not a big deal. But if it's a recurring thing, then you're teaching them the wrong habits. You're teaching them like this is what I like, even though it's not. Exactly. And that's the thing, too. It's like it's doing a disservice to both of you. Yeah.
1: When it's like you could be having so much better sex. And like you know, like once in a blue moon, sure. Where you're just like, God, I'm tired. But you know what? It has been a while. Fuck (laughs) it. Like, (laughs) let's just let's just let's just go. (laughs) Yes, you're doing great. Good job, sweetie. Um, Another thing that comes up is that the more stressed a woman is, the less likely she is to have an orgasm as well. And as we've talked about in multiple different (laughs) episodes here, the burden that we have to be multi-hyphenates, you know, we're taking Mm -hmm. care of most of the domestic chores, we have our jobs, and then if you bring in children into the equation, then, I mean, fuck me, like, how do you not be stressed? There was a study during COVID, when they (laughs) studied uh, heterosexual relationships during COVID, and it showed that for the most part... Sex decreased during COVID between partners, but masturbation and porn washing increased. Mm. But they found that it was more educated, and informed couples that were compliant with social distancing were more stressed out. So they had higher dysfunction and yeah. less sexual activity. But there was also a note that people that were working from home, it sort of exacerbated the gender inequality. So even if both partners were working, the woman was more taking care of the children and the child rearing than the man was, which makes her... More stressed out and probably a little bit more pissed off, which is less likely for her to want to fuck you.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yes. I agree. It does make sense. Bad
0: times, bad times all around. We're going to take a break. I again don't know if it's an ad break or not because I haven't listened to our last episode since I put it out. So I don't know if it has an ad in it. Again, you might know. I don't know, (laughs) but we'll take a break. And we're back. Yay. We've returned. Woo. That was a nice gap that we had oh, there. Oh, a happy gap, <laughs> you might say.
1: <laughs> a sad one, one might say.
0: Someone came up with that, like, as a story response sad gap. I didn't, I, I mean, I guess probably we would have thought of it at some point. But I think it was Carelessly Defiant is their IG username. And I was like, This name is too long, Sad Girls Against the Patriarchy. And someone's like, how about Sad Gap? Fucking brilliant. So you're a genius.
1: Thank you. I was looking at like
0: S Gap, which not the same. Sad Gap is... It's funny. It's got a good role to it. Yeah. Biased. It's what I call my vagina, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now anyway. (laughs)
1: You're like you've made that joke before, but it's still I know up I every really, time
0: because there was a meme that was like your vagina is named after the last podcast you listened to. People coming to were like, "Ha, the vault isn't that funny." I'm like, "That is funny, but I think Sad Gap is funnier." I think Sad Gap is hilarious, <laughs> um, but like bias, yeah, <laughs> so funny. So we'll just get
1: into the study I was talking about. So it's a 2017 study from the Archives of Sexual Behavior. And it studied orgasm frequency between gay, lesbian, bisexual, and heterosexual men and women in the United States, Mm -hmm. as a lot of these are. So, like I said, heterosexual men are the most likely and heterosexual men are the least likely. But here's the stats that this particular study had is that heterosexual men are the most likely at 95% followed got by gay men at 89%, and then bisexual men at 88%, mm. lesbian women at 86%, which is only 9% difference if you're uh, tracking here. Pretty good. Bisexual women, 66%, and heterosexual women at 65%. So us, us bi and heterosexual queens are suffering. Yep. So what this says is compared to women who orgasm less frequently, women who orgasm more frequently were more likely to, what do you think, Allison? I don't know, what? Someone's gonna go down on them, so they're sure. more likely to receive Put
0: oral sex, oral stimulation. Yeah. yeah,
1: and have longer duration of sex mm-hmm. and be more satisfied with their relationship. Ask for what they want in bed and praise their partner for something that they did. Also, there's a lot of studies that show that, and this is so like ugh, sexy mama talk, but it's like if you, <laughs> spicing things up in the bedroom is also linked to having more <laughs> orgasms. So doing something that's specifically for sex, like. Wearing sexy lingerie, trying a new position, incorporating something, acting out a fantasy. Like all the things that they talk about, spicing it up, does lead to decreasing the pleasure gap. So the kind of cliches that we, we we
0: talk about sort of turn out to be true, which I hate. <laughs> well, we're definitely on our way to being like the kooky barren aunt who like lives in the big city and wears strange hats and has a lot of cats. So we can give that silly advice. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm already at that point. My brother is like, yeah, you're already like the kooky California aunt. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> son of a bitch. I mean, I love I love your outfit, but it's like a yellow turtleneck with like flary pants. With yeah, a cool print on them. Yeah, I'm wearing like an arty print, yeah, pants <laughs> and a yellow fucking
1: rib turtleneck. I've so. seen this
0: movie.
1: <laughs> we're just a bunch of great kooky. I would say we're kooky spinsters, but yeah, right. I, I have a spinster soul. Yeah, know. yeah.
0: Well, you can still be a spinster with the mans. So I think you just can't have kids. It's okay. All
1: right, I'll take it. Yeah, then I think yeah. it's in I, spirit. Yeah, I'm a spiritual spinster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said the word spinster last night in a a show we were watching, and I was like, that's me. I'm a spinster. And I was like, wait, wait. (laughs) Hold on a second. (laughs) I just feel it. Yeah. There's also a lot of studies that show um, in this similar study that heterosexual men don't necessarily recognize the extent of which they orgasm more than their partners. Basically, heterosexual men are delusional and think Mm. that their partners orgasm way more than they actually do, which also, I mean, it comes back to... How much of that is ego and how much of that is the performance that we're putting on? Right. So, I mean, if you are faking an orgasm, why would he not think that you came? Or you're doing a bad job of faking it. (laughs) Yeah. So it's something like uh, a woman who only had vaginal intercourse during their last sexual encounter, 50% reported an orgasm. In contrast, orgasms were reported by 73% of women who reported vaginal intercourse and manual stimulation and by 86% of women who reported... Vaginal intercourse, manual stimulation, and oral sex. So the more, the merrier.
0: Yeah. And
1: again, like we say, like foreplay is important. If you just go in, like the movie version of sex, and it's just like... You, Every fucking time. Yeah, yeah, you like make out for two seconds, and maybe do some booby honking, and then you're like, that's foreplay, let's right. go. And, and then without hands, he slips it on in. <laughs> yeah, and <then> it's <laughs> just magically, the, it just goes on it in. Just <laughs> it just works.
0: It just... will There we go. <laughs> Um, I was listening to a podcast that was talking about how we need to rename foreplay because it indicates that that's not sex. That's not really sex. Like sex is penetration and then anything else is foreplay. But really, like all of it is sex. And by telling ourselves and seeing it, it's really it's in the media, too. Like it really is like whenever we're a kid and we're seeing sex for the first time in a movie, we see a very specific type of sex. It's not common at all to see, like, someone go down on a woman. And, like, why is that any more X-rated or dirty than penetration? It shouldn't be. Yeah, that's cultural. It's, like, more—it's not even just taboo. It's more, like, vulgar,
1: right? Because, I mean, I feel like even growing up, I I think it started to die once we got, like, of age to actually have sex. But— I remember being, like, younger, and it was like, oh, gross. Women, their vulvas are disgusting, and going down on a girl is gross, and there was that mentality, and then there was that joke in The Sopranos and like, the first season where they all talk about, like, oh, that's not masculine, and <laughs> it's, like, somehow submissive, and you gotta be, like, a dominant yeah. guy, and all this, and then the joke was they all fucking went down on their fucking girls. Yeah. Like, fellas, is
0: it gay to like women?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's that mentality where it's just like, oh, gross. And I love the memes that, like, make fun of that. It's yeah. like, Fellas, is it gay to have yeah. sex with a woman because she right. might have had other penises in there? It's like you Whoa. having sex with a penis, so Whoa. it's pretty gay to have sex with Whoa. a woman. Whoa. Check. Me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but let's let's start the movement to rename foreplay. I don't have a better idea right now, but I don't I don't see it as optional. <laughs> I agree, but
1: I think it's again how we've ingrained into our culture yeah. where it's just, like, yeah. if women have an orgasm, that's just, like, a bonus. Yeah. That's just, like, a ha- happy accident. Like, oh, right. That's yay. extra. It's more important that the guy comes. Oh, yeah. But it's also, like, he he will. Yep. Like, that's not... Let's not worry about that anymore. <laughs> that's we're, good. Not, we're That's going to happen, yeah. like, as I'm reading. There's, like, for a 95% chance this is going to happen versus, like, a 50% chance. We can change me. our focus. I did read... Uh, well, not read. There was a a podcast with a it was either a sex therapist or it was a professor of like gender studies at one of the colleges but it was one of the podcasts i listened to and something that i thought was really cool it's a theory about the female orgasm because you know it's it's this big mystery and they don't know why we have them like not vaginally and like why we have clitorises and why we even right. need to orgasm at all because it has nothing to do with reproduction sure. like From the male orgasm standpoint. yeah but uh, basically, what they're, the theory is is that it was to weed out bad partners. If they care about making you come, then they're going to be a better partner and more caring and better to reproduce with and have children with. Sounds
0: right to me. <laughs>
1: and I think we should bring back this theory into a uh, current practice where if he doesn't make you come, he's not the one for you. That's so funny. If he doesn't care about it either, then he's no. Yeah. And I think that's part of it, too, is that we have we're, we have a hard time having these conversations because I think especially if a relationship is new, we're worried about, like, rejection or we're worried about finding out he's a piece of shit if you really like him. Like, what if I do really like him and I tell him that I want him to do this? And then he's like, oh, gross, no.
0: And then, then you're like, oh, well, f- fuck, this person I really liked is a piece of shit. And you might just not be used to having to bring that up as well. It's just the discomfort of having a conversation like that for the first time. Um, but still worth doing. I mean, also the uh, reproduction angle like, women should want to have sex if the goal of the species is to reproduce. So, anything that makes them want to have sex, then it makes sense. Like, the female orgasm fits into our idea of evolution as well. I know. So, that's why I think it's uh, so funny that they're like, well,
1: this big giant mystery. <laughs> I'm like, what uh... could it be? It seems so frivolous. Yeah. I'm perplexed, says the man who's never found the clit. Right. Um Seems
0: obvious to me. <laughs> yeah. And, and
1: like we've talked about in a previous episode, it's like if we don't get anything from this, why the fuck would we do it when the risks are so high? Dying in childbirth, dying, like complications from pregnancy and all the pain of childbirth and all of these things. It's like if we're not getting something out of it, why the fuck would we go through that? It, yeah. it makes complete total sense that we would need to orgasm. While having sex, like, I just why is this so ingrained in the culture where it's just like we're there to lay there and get 12 pump chumped and (laughs) then that's sex
0: and that's it. And that's all we should ever aspire to. 12 pump chump is the new term we came up with. Yes. Um, That guy in that movie. (laughs) pumps 12 times. You got it. got it. 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 You got it. You got it. You got it. But it's because women are supposed to serve. They're meant to serve their husbands and their children and serve their household. So it's not really about their own enjoyment or pleasure. No. It's about what can they do for a man.
1: Yeah. And that's in a lot of religion. And I mean, a lot of countries are based on whatever the dominant religion is. And throughout the world, Abrahamic religions are the most dominant worldwide, whether that's Islam, Christianity, or Judaism, where it says you women serve their husbands and they serve men, whether and then their fathers give them away, and then the, you know that's our entire goal. And you're a lot of those like Christian mommy bloggers that is just like, you know, ladies, you're just supposed to serve your man, and like your needs aren't important. Like you to be a godly wife, you just need to just worry about what he wants and what he needs, and you'll get into the kingdom of heaven. And yeah. it's like. When that's ingrained, and as much as we'd say we separate church and state in this country, we obviously don't, as, you know, the abortion laws have shown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's going to spill over into every part of our lives where it's just like, as long as he's having a good time, then so am I. Thumbs up. That's
0: it. This is life. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even subtext. It's the text. Yeah, that sure is your
1: husband. literally
0: the yeah. text. <laughs> and
1: No reading between the lines. No. That is the lines. <laughs> Um, Another fun study. It was a multinational study. Over 10,000 people, both men and women, take about four minutes to orgasm when masturbating alone. So both men and women can come in four minutes by themselves. Yeah. During sex, again, this is heterosexual sex, mm-hmm. with men it's about 5.4 minutes to orgasm. And that's a range of two to ten minutes. But the median or mean, whatever, one of them was 5.4. Yeah. And for women, the range was 20 to 45 minutes. That's a bit of time, yeah. (laughs) Yes, but it also shows that we're more likely to come the longer you have sexual contact. And again, that's not just penetrative sex. Right. That's sexual contact like you were talking about. Like we don't need to just have this prescribed to this theory that it's just that's the goal of sex. That's the end all be all. That is what we're attaining for It's like. No, there's other factors involved and if you add more of them to them then you're going to have a better time and then your girl's going to like you more and then she's going to fuck you more. It works like out Jesus for Christ, I don't understand <laughs> this logic either. It's like, well, I got mine. <laughs> it's like, you know if you do a better job, she's going to want to do it more? Like I thought you guys were supposed to be logical mm. and like left-brained Ooh. and you don't actually think logically when it comes to having to think about another fucking human being.
0: Shots fired.
1: Anyways, that's a lot of my. <laughs>
0: that's a, yeah, that's a good. Wow, that's my like rambling. Like, listen here, <laughs> you
1: fucking idiots.
0: No, I love throwing people's arguments back at them. It's true. There's so much of this where it's just like,
1: if you guys just did better, this theory that women don't like sex. But I also sometimes I think men like the idea that we don't like sex. I think there is that like particular part of our culture that we don't necessarily say out loud, yeah. but the pre like the pretenses
0: there where it's just like. The deflowering, the taking something from you. Yeah. The taking advantage of you. Yeah. It's like dominating. Yep. It's like taking over. It's – It doesn't matter if she's enjoying it or not because it's not about her. Because you
1: conquered her. Yeah. She is a thing of which to be conquered, of which we talked about in the last episode right. where it's like that is also something that people ascribe to in our culture, especially men that are straight cis men, yeah. they, they like that idea and they don't like the idea. And I've seen this in memes before where it's like if women enjoy themselves having sex, there's something also weird about that, that some men don't like it when women are enjoying themselves having sex. Mm-hmm. And like where if you – I tried to look up some studies. I talked about this with Allison about sex toys in the bedroom. And because I've seen a lot of memes but I didn't have like a lot of like data about it where – men get their egos deflated when women want to introduce like vibrators or something else so they can have like clitoral stimulation during sex. And a lot of men get like pissed off about this because it's 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 a fragile ego thing where they think it's like, well, I'm not being a good enough lover that you need to bring something into this because my dick thrusting into you for <laughs> fucking two and a half minutes isn't doing it for you. This is a revelation to me and I'm having a hard time. But Again, this is why these conversations early on in your relationship are important so you don't have to have this years down the line and then him be like, this is stupid. But I couldn't find anything and I also didn't have time to, like, really deep dive. And it's
0: also, like, a weird choice of words to try to – It's a very specific question to ask, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I know exactly. Yeah, and I've – I don't think I've – I have been with someone who was threatened by – a woman touching herself during sex, like kind of, excuse you. Yeah. Like touching her own clit and like kind of masturbating herself while, um, getting fucked. And that's just like such a weird, stupid thing to feel threatened by of like, Oh, like I'm not enough. You have to stimulate yourself. It's like, you're involved. You're in the same room, dude. Like, we're all in this together. <laughs> yeah, like, we're all, we are all have the same end <laughs> we, goal here. <laughs> we should. Yeah, but it's that thing of men, like, acting on a person instead of having a conversation. This it's not mutual. Th- yeah. Because it's not mutual to them. Again, of, it's something some they're the doing time. to yeah. you. Right. This not is- with you. This is the thing I bring up in dancing a lot because I teach partner dancing and lead and follow dances. And I talk a lot about dancers having a conversation. And sometimes you dance with a guy and he's shouting at you with his actions and he's just jerking you around. And I never, ever teach anyone to move like that because I tell them, like, we're on a journey together. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone should be having a good time. But, um, but that's not how some of these guys... Consciously. I don't think they consciously have this thought process. Correct. But their actions speak louder than words ever could. Yes.
1: (laughs) I saw a meme about that that was like that's like being mad that LeBron James is on your team. It's like you're going to fucking win and score the points, bro. Who cares if you got a supporting player that's fucking getting you to the finish line? I mean, sports, but you know No, I love uh, words they can understand. Right. An analogy
0: they can understand.
1: It's like that's like that's being so mad you have funny. a good player on your team. Like what the fuck is you wrong got a with bro. you? Yeah. That's so funny. But it's it's again, it's just an ego thing and it is hard to have that conversation where It mean I feel like
0: they might take it as like I'm not enough, but that's not what it it is. I mean, maybe you're not, maybe they're not, but it doesn't necessarily mean
1: that. No, it's it's just yeah. (laughs) Like if you're ignoring the clip, bro, like it's not gonna happen. Yeah, women alone cannot orgasm vaginally. There is data that says that some women can, but they're even thinking that that is. Like we talked about in the clit episode, it's probably clitoral stimulation.
0: I was thinking a good pairing, a two-part for this episode would be if we talked about the clit here. But we already did it, which is fine. It got its own episode of which it deserved. As it deserved, yes. But what we learned is that there is a lot of clitoral tissue that is inside the vagina. And that's like the G-spot that we talk about. That's what that is. It's clitoral tissue. (laughs) That's like in the walls of the vagina. So... In the end, of, at the end of the day, yeah, it's still clitoral stimulation. It's, it's still, um, <laughs> it was all the clit. Yeah, it was the clit all along. <laughs> it was within you this whole time. <laughs> the clit was within you all along. It actually, literally, is though. It actually it's not just like, external, like, just go listen to that episode or just like look at some diagrams or something.
1: Yeah, the anatomical diagrams that just showed up in medical textbooks in 2019. Yeah, <laughs> those ones, those anatomical structures, yeah.
0: <laughs> those pictures.
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when I was trying to look that up, again, I didn't have a lot of time, but there was like a lot of like blogs and like not anything more like opinion pieces and mm-hmm. not strong data. But, a lot of that. Yeah. yeah there was, there was a, a blog by a man. And the first line of this one, the, the the title of this article is Man Down. Why are some guys intimidated by sex toys? <laughs> and the first line is men are simple creatures. That's what makes us so
0: complicated.
1: And it's like. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? <laughs>
0: Explain that to me more slowly, please. I don't get it.
1: Also, that's not giving y'all
0: a- enough credit. Like, I think that's, like, you guys aren't simple. Like, sure, you know what I mean? It's just, well- like... Yeah, that was something that I saw in, in the research. I didn't do enough research for this episode. That's why, like, we're really... I love that Alexa does so much research. This is great. This is I really mean, good.
1: Alexa's very unorganized from her fucking no, caffeine-riddled death <laughs> brain, <button>. Panera,
0: Panera <laughs> brain. my Panera um, jacked-up lemonade. Um, but something that I did here in a podcast was the, the discredit that it does to men yeah, to say absolutely. that, like, your sexuality is simple and that everything about... You it is easy and straightforward because it's it's not, and that's also an unfair narrative. Uh, not to you know, will someone please think of the men? Like, yeah, they're, but they're fine, but still, it's still the same thing. It's patriarchy
1: also bringing yes. men down, being like, yes. oh, there's yes. like that meme where it's like turning a man on and an on off switch, turning a woman on It's like a bunch of like knobs and different buttons and lights mm-hmm. and all this stuff, and it's like okay, but
0: neither of those are right. <laughs> right. Now, my last therapist said something that i always remember. She said sex is 90% psychological. And yes. we were talking about guys just hooking up and situationships and things like that. And she was like, even then, even if it's a one night stand, that's still psychological. Like the fact that it's not someone, you know, super well, or that you're not involved with or emotional. with, That is part of it. That is part of the stimulation, even when they're not actually attached to the person, it's still psychological. And I was like, Whoa, man, yeah, and that's a lot
1: of what this is saying too um is is you ha- you can't be like distracted like you have to be in right, it right fully, yeah. and maybe it's easier for men to like shut off that external part of not thinking about a million things at once and just focusing on the one thing versus I think with us it's probably a little bit harder for us to just think about the thing that's happening well,
0: you know we're we're complicated, and that's what makes us so simple. <laughs> Oh, wow. I love that turn (laughs) around
1: there. One of them was uh, this professor who teaches at a a university in Florida, and she wrote this book about the the pleasure gap. And when she was trying to sell the book, she was saying there was like a big generational divide where it was like people her age, which is in her 60s, were like, duh. Like, this is common knowledge. Like, Mm -hmm. why do I need to write a book about this? Because they came around during, like, the sexual revolution when we were talking about, like – female pleasure and stimulation. And then when she was bringing it to younger people that were like millennials that were editors and stuff, they're like, oh, my God, this is so important. Like, we need to talk about this. This, like, this isn't happening. and Women aren't getting off. And she was like, I just saw this in my college students who were just like there was this lack of importance on women feeling like they can get off during mm-hmm. these – like their sexual experiences. She's like, I see it's getting better. Like in the past few years, like I'm seeing a, a lot of growth in that department. But – She's also saying, like, the reporting that she's getting is, like, during these one-night stands, it's the fear that women have about a new partner. It's like, is he going to kill me? Like, is this going to turn bad? Like, he's bigger than me. Like, what if I get pregnant? What if I get an STD? What if I'm in a state like Florida that doesn't allow for abortion and I do get pregnant? Like, what's that going to mean? And it's a lot more distraction during the hookup, which, again, we've showed that it's that's where the highest gap is. So that makes a lot of sense too. It's like if I'm not feeling safe and comfortable with you because I don't know you, it's gonna be less likely for me to get off as well.
0: The stigma too of like, are they gonna think I'm a slut because I hooked up at this point? Like, was I supposed to wait longer? Even if it's something that you want, you don't wanna be judged for it. And men will make wrong assumptions about a person based on that. Yeah. So it's also a distraction for sure.
1: There was another experiment that did like four different studies and Basically, the bottom line of these studies were: if women thought they were going to have like more time to have sex, mm. they were more focused on wanting to have an orgasm. Versus if they were like, "Oh, this is just gonna—you just have like five minutes to have sex," then they don't think about it at all. They're like, "Okay, I'm just—it's five minutes. I just gotta—I just gotta get it over." with. versus like, you have all the time in the world to have sex, and it's with someone that like you trust. Then there's more focus also on being like, this is an achievable goal. Mm. So that's interesting, too. It's like if we're giving these scenarios where there's constraints in any way or, again, like you said, it's psychological. We're not going to get there because we're not thinking about it because we don't think it's possible. So we're not in that headspace. We're not in that body space to do that. So there's a lot of things that go into it, I guess, in that capacity. But at the end of the day, it's just all about caring about your partner and caring about the clit and being in touch with your body.
0: We are going to take our second break right now. All right, we are back. Welcome back. Yay.
1: I wanted to talk about men for once again. Oh, thank God. Someone really needs to represent them. There's someone to represent it. You've seen the Portlandia skit, right? Where the, what about men?
0: I actually haven't, but oh, I can imagine it's,
1: it. <laughs> it. It's fine. It's, like, they sing a song, um, but it really cracks me up. And it's, anyways, yeah. you should watch it. It's it, I just always, sound like, I always like sing it. I'm just like, what about men? Like, anytime I yeah. say that phrase. But anyways, everyone go watch it. Portlandia. <laughs> Um, But what we were talking about like with men, it's – it was stats that show the older women get, the smaller the orgasm gap gets. But for men, it actually is the opposite. The older they get, the less they orgasm and that's – a lot of it is from decrease in androgen and also the increase of like sexual dysfunction as they get older. So that is a little stigmatizing and I feel bad for men as well because like we were talking about like if they are so quote-unquote simple and then they are unable to like – reach orgasm or any of this during their sexual encounters they're going to feel shitty about that as well because they're also told that their orgasms are super easy and just should be happening and part of the norm versus what they were saying a lot of these podcasts too it's like you can have really good sex and not come like you can have like a really awesome sexual experience and really enjoy yourself and still obtain pleasure without orgasming And I think having that be the end goal is also toxic Mm -hmm. because that focuses too much on that. And that again, same thing psychologically as a woman. It's like, oh, my God, I didn't come. And then you're thinking about that the whole time. Like, oh, my God, am I going to come? I'm not coming. And it's like, just enjoy the moment, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think the same thing with men. It's like, even if you don't come, like, you can still have a good time. Like, we can all still have a good time here. Right. But there was a a 2003, this is brand new, like, came out in uh, September of this year. Um, It's also another review of literature. It's Women's Orgasm and Its Relationship with Sexual Satisfaction and Well-Being. And I gave this scenario that I thought was uh, really interesting. So I'm just going to read this here. Imagine that Peter, a 35-year-old man, does not experience orgasms during sex with his partner and is very satisfied with his sex life. Peter will probably be met with incomprehension from most people since orgasms are considered indispensable for a man's satisfaction. Accordingly, Recent research found out that both women and men still believe that men are more deserving of orgasms than women in both casual and committed sexual encounters. The idea that women, on the other hand, do not need orgasms for sexual satisfaction is very common. Several qualitative studies found that in women's definitions of sexual pleasure, having an orgasm played a minor role as compared to other themes like emotional intimacy or partner satisfaction. Mm -hmm. So most women are even still putting their partner's needs above their own.
0: Well, women must serve men. Yeah. It's all, it's all over the Bible. That word is in the Bible. That word is in the disturbing <laughs> man is in the Bible.
1: Yep. Orgasms are great, though. I know I just said that's not the end goal, but they are physiologically rewarding due to there's big releases of dopamine and it activates the cerebellum. And orgasms are associated with increased relaxation, better sleep, pain relief, increased immune system function, and positive mental health.
0: Yay. Like decreased depression and anxiety. I mean, also just having a healthy sex life is positively correlated with mental well-being in addition.
1: I mean, I think we, especially in countries that are a little bit more weird about
0: talking about sex,
1: we don't discuss that as, like, a part of your health overall. And it is. And having a good sex life is critical to being, like, an adult person. And even if that's just with yourself, like – you know, masturbation and, uh, like, again, like, having those releases are positive are, are positive it's and healthy. creates all these good things I just talked about. Those Take are good you. things. Take your vitamins. <laughs> Take your vitamins. Jack come. <laughs> <laughs> Take your vitamins and come. That's what the episode's called. That's
0: not bad. Yeah, I like
1: that. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure I didn't miss anything out that was, like, super important. I was all over the place. But both sexists usually describe their first sexual experience as mediocre at best. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I mean, kind of everyone. a teenager, like... That's not, it's not going to be good no matter what you do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah. I sincerely doubt, I would just guesstimate that <laughs> there's like less than 10% of people that came on their first time having sex. Women. We, yeah, right. I was going to say, um, probably over 90% of boys. Oh, yeah. No, it's, I'm sure that happened real quickly for them. I mean, that's yeah,
0: that's basically it. I mean, you know. That was great. Yeah, you found a lot more in this than I did on my first Passover it. At... I mean, you could definitely simplify and just be right. like,
1: these are the stats. This yeah. is the problem. We yeah, should yeah. do this. Right, right. And I think even if you don't have the name for it, I think overwhelmingly like in our culture, we know that women, heterosexual women don't come in, which is like almost a joke. But I'm thankful that it's, I think it started with our generation that the focus on having your mm-hmm. your partner come is a positive. And if you don't, you're a loser. <laughs> like yeah. that's why there's all these jokes now. It's like. Tell me yeah. you haven't made a woman come before without telling me you haven't made a woman come before. That's true.
0: I never think about the societal impact of memes and things like that, but literally, yeah, and it is kind of an insult
1: now. It's like yeah. if you're a straight man and you don't know what the clit is and you've never made your girl come, like it's not the flex that it used to be. Right. Like I think it used to be like funny, like yeah. like whatever. I got, I got off and she's just sitting there like mad. Ugh. Kind of rapey yeah. a little bit, but yeah. it's changed a lot, and I'm I'm happy, and I hope it stays that way, and I hope it's not like that professor says where it waxes and wanes, and mm. there's times we care about it, and there's times that women go back into being told that they're sluts, and I feel like the '90s, late 90s and early 2000s had a lot to do with that. I feel mm. looking back on that culture, it's very much hated women, and slut-shamed them a lot, and growing up in that, I felt a lot of shame about that, so the Gen Zers, they're they're doing it. And then hopefully Gen Alpha continues it and doesn't try to be edgy <laughs> and Ooh. overturn it.
0: I didn't know Gen Alpha. Is that after Gen Zs? Yeah. I didn't know. Wow. Oh, yeah. There's younger people than Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. Gen Z's getting old now. I know. Y'all are old now.
1: <laughs> I've been seeing memes now where it's uh, there's like, keeps coming with my reels because I clicked on it because millennials, we've gotten a lot of hate from like all the generations. So whatever. We're the punching bag. I'll yeah, take it. Fair. But there was a meme. It's by a girl that is Gen Z. And she's like, how Gen Alpha is going to make fun of Gen Z in a couple of years. And yeah. it just cracked me up. But they're already making memes. Like, they're young. They're, like, young teenagers. But they're they're already on it. Wow.
0: I think the kids the kids are all right. I mean, they're actually they're more depressed than other generations, so that's that's not a good thing <laughs> and like younger people aren't going out like they used to. COVID had a horrible impact on people's mental
1: health. God, I can't even am- can you imagine being like your formative years, it's like awful. in middle school or high school or even early college and like having COVID happen. Yeah. Oh God, I'm I'm I mean, I felt
0: I felt cheated and that was my twenties. Right. Yeah, missing out on that time. Yeah. Um, like
1: turning thirty during COVID was sure.
0: like Okay, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in that way, the kids are not okay. But in the way of in the way of like more progressive, we are just getting farther and farther away from our roots as a country, which is very uh, Protestant, white, male dominated. We are getting away from that more and more all the time, which is wonderful. Yes, I am Miss Andrist Memes on Instagram, and I am TX Goth GF, and we are sadgap.podcast. You can email us at sadgap.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a note, comment, question, anything at all. I would love to hear from you. Yes, and uh, we would love
1: it if you guys could rate, review, subscribe. But please. seriously, if you could go to Spotify and give us a good old five-star review, so then go <laughs> on, on to Apple and do the same and write us a little review if you can. But nice things only,
0: please. Take your vitamins and come. <laughs> We're stronger <laughs> together. We'll see you next time. Bye.